All right, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us again today for another episode of Bread and Butter Emergency Medicine. I'm joined today with Dr. Erin McDonough. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Today we were hoping to discuss the chief complaint of altered mental status, a favorite of many in the emergency department, but one that can be technically challenging as well. To get right from the start, putting yourself in the position of our listeners, if you have a patient that comes into the emergency department with that complaint of altered mental status, um, oftentimes these patients, because they are altered, are brought by somebody else, be it emergency services of paramedics, police, or family members. What do you find are some helpful points on history to obtain from these people when they're brought to you? Past medical history is huge, uh, I think, because one of the most challenging things of an altered mental status patient is that your differential diagnosis is humongous. Mm-hmm. Is it meningitis? Scoliosis? Lupus? Is it lupus? <laughs> never lupus. There are, you know, I mean, heck, any any time where there are varying uh, memory tricks and stuff to remember the differential for something, there are probably a lot. And there are 50-some causes of altered mental status, and it can be different depending on age. And so past medical history, I think, really will help you tailor your differential so that you're okay. not just sending every single test imaginable. For instance, you know, if someone has liver failure, then hepatic encephalopathy is going to be a lot higher on your list. So okay. past medical history for sure. Um, and then just kind of recent history, like has the patient been sick recently? Um, did they have a trauma recently? Do they use drugs or did they have access to any medications? I obviously have a stroke bias. Dr. McDonough is not biased against strokes, quite the opposite. She's referencing her neurointensive care training as well as her work with the Cincinnati Stroke Team. Uh, And so last seen normal is also important, although truthfully, stroke is probably a really small part of that differential, but I still like to get a last seen normal. Um, Those are probably the main key points that I want to know right up front. Okay. So some of the quick history things to get as the patient's being brought to you to, to be cared for. Yeah. Do you ever find that you're able to obtain any history from the patient themselves when they're altered? Or is that something <laughs> that, that can actually work? Or is it not really that reliable? I mean, I think it depends on the on how altered the patient is. Okay. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the history is completely unreliable. You'll have an elderly person who says, I don't know why I'm here. I'm fine. And then the family shows up and you get this whole big story of how maybe they were lost in the woods for a couple of days. And you're kind Mm. of like, why didn't you tell me any of this? And they just don't know. Um, but that being said, um, sometimes, you know, I think that getting a history from the patient as far as their physical complaints can be helpful. I mean, if they have abdominal pain, generally, unless they're more comatose, someone who is confused should be able to tell you that they have abdominal pain. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not completely useless, although as far as the historical points, Mm -hmm. I tend not to trust it entirely. That's a good point you bring up. And I I think honestly, with people who are altered, ruling stuff out based on their history can be dangerous. But I think guiding some of your things that you might look into, like you're saying with the the symptoms that they're experiencing can be very helpful. And I agree with you 100% on the way they can be a bit tricky in terms of saying like, oh, I'm people who are altered, more or less, if that can be an ongoing process, can be easy at disguising their altered mental status. I've had patients before that to me, when my five minute encounter seemed fine and a family member shows up and points out certain things that really are different. So right. I think that's a good point to bring up that if right. family's not there initially, 
to be able to get a hold of them some way to find out. Particularly with patients who have some mild dementia at baseline, because mm-hmm. they're used to compensating for not knowing entirely what's going on around okay. them. Um, and so that's why I find some of the elderly patients who may have a history of some dementia, they're the toughest mm-hmm. because they're used to faking it. And they will be they will have no idea where they are or why they're there, and they're able to fake it, or they just don't know. You right. Know? And if you're gullible like me, that can be easy to trip. <laughs> me too. I tend yeah. to fall for that too. Um, so another issue that's become uh, something to talk about in the emergency evaluation of a patient is that of the physical exam. I mean, the physical examination can be a big, long process in a detailed exam, but in a time expeditious manner, is there any points or tricks to the physical exam in the altered patient that you find can help not only get all the information that you need, but do it in an efficient way? I think that... Um up front in an altered mental status patient, the f- obviously you want to set up vitals first because mm-hmm. a few of those vitals can be diagnostic of what's going on. You know, they have a temperature of 107 mm-hmm. um, or their pulse ox is 75%. Those things are diagnostic. And so a set of vitals right up front. And then again, this may be my stroke bias, but I tend to go right to the neuro exam, get a sense of level of alertness, orientation. Um, A lot of times people will confuse altered mental status um, when it's actually stroke. Somebody will be aphasic and it will get confused as altered mental status. And so differentiating that right up front, I think is very important. I'll often ask a resident, um, are they confused or are they aphasic when they tell me that they're saying random words or not making sense? Mm. I think that's a a good hard line in terms of if it's kind of a positive finding of being saying things that aren't necessarily making sense as opposed to being confused is a good point differentiation to make. Correct. You bring up some good points with the stroke in terms of time of onset of symptoms and some other very time sensitive pieces of information to gather. Um, Kind of jumping back when the patient first rolls into the room and you're seeing them, you know, the initial history and physical things that you do, but do you find that not only there are points on history or physical exam, but are there any studies or interventions that you find yourself doing kind of concurrently Mm -hmm. uh, very early on that are time sensitive as well? Looking at the pupils, because we obviously see a lot of heroin overdoses and that's something that's very quickly reversible with Narcan. Mm -hmm. And so if someone comes in altered and they have pinpoint pupils, I'm going to give them Narcan right away. So it's kind of something that leads to an immediate intervention. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with the finger stick glucose. If their glucose is 20, that's going to lead to an immediate intervention. Mm -hmm. Those are probably the primary things, um, aside from also a set of vitals. Vitals, finger stick, look at pupils, consider giving Narcan. Mm -hmm. Probably what I do generally right up front. Okay. And I think that's helpful to know. I mean, in terms of tools you can have in your pocket and know that at least the things that are immediately reversible, but also very dangerous to keep in mind for the provider who's early in their training for taking care of these kinds of patients. That can be the part that's the scariest is to think, well, what am I missing before you have a chance to talk some, to somebody else about suggestions for the workup? Right. So having those things ready and available, I think is helpful to at least build that confidence and know that you're taking good care of the patient too. So say we've done that initial evaluation, physical exam, gathered our history, and made sure that some of these very time-sensitive interventions are either performed or don't need to be. What other workup do you pursue generally? I know it can be dependent on what you think the pathology may be, but do you find are there any either laboratory studies or imaging studies that you get routinely on these patients? Good question. So there's kind of probably different tiers of tests that I order, and that will depend on history, 
my differential age of the patient, obviously altered mental status in an 85-year-old is very different from altered mental status in a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everybody, generally a CBC and renal, electrolytes, mm-hmm. kidney function, all of that. I mean, a sodium and a creatinine are probably two of your more important laboratory find, uh, laboratory results that you want to see. Okay. I would say uh, a UA and a chest x-ray, which is kind of, I think, most people's cursory infection workup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then generally a head CT. I think that in an altered mental status patient, uh, I don't think that every patient needs a head CT, but I think that you have to have a reason not to get a CT okay. based on generally probably history and physical. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I think I tend to have a very low threshold for getting a head CT. And that's kind of my first tier. My second tier, which I probably have, I have a pretty low threshold for getting. So I'm going to get in a lot of patients would be kind of your LFTs, your ammonia, uh, thyroid uh, function stuff, and then VBG, lactate, EKG, troponin. Okay. Um, that's kind of the second tier. And, you know, the 85-year-old with altered mental status is getting both tiers. Mm-hmm. Um, the 20-year-old may be getting the first tier and none of the second tier, part of the second tier, um, but maybe not all of it, Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, not necessarily as broad to begin with because the pretest probability of a lot of those may not be as high. Right, like the likelihood of a 20-year-old having a positive troponin is pretty low. Yeah, but I think that's a good point that that you make as well, especially regarding the head CT. I mean, so often in emergency medicine, we're really trying our best to be judicious with the amount of radiation we use and the imaging studies we do. And particularly in our early phases of training, a lot of emphasis is placed on appropriate use of CT scanning. And oftentimes it becomes a try to convince yourself why you need to get it as opposed to, as you're saying in this instance of why not, because I mean, think about it in terms of the risk benefit ratio of of missing something in an altered mental satisfaction on a head CT. I I think, especially in this instance is certainly a lot higher risk than the risk of radiation in that setting. Right. Um, so something to at least have that confidence to know that often that imaging study needs to be obtained. Right. I mean, you will, in your career, find more than a few subdurals with no history of trauma. Mm-hmm. You'll find more than a few masses um, that you weren't expecting to find. Mm-hmm. And finding a couple of those makes all the rest of the scans worth it, mm-hmm. From as you said, from a risk-benefit perspective. Right. So I think certainly a good learning experience if you ever have that experience of having missed something like that, but I think it's always better to have that caution up Mm -hmm. front and be able to catch it and then realize what may have happened had you not gotten that imaging study. But that being said, definitely, I mean, you know, you never want to say that everybody with altered mental status needs a head CT. Mm -hmm. Probably a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, if you have a very clear cut history of the patient took 50 one milligram Ativan tablets, you know, you probably don't need a head CT. Right. That's a pretty good reason there, I think. Right. Yeah. With the evaluation of the patient being completed in that setting, one of the things that we've been reviewing also is, is there any particular aspect of the patient's chart, if you're looking through the computer in the setting of an electronic medical record, that you find particularly helpful for their altered mental status patient? Um, Again, past medical history is huge for your differential diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, Medications, if that's available, those are probably the main things, I think. Right. Um, it's such a broad topic to begin with. There's not necessarily one place to go in my experience, but I agree with you that at least knowing a possible medication they may have taken correct. can be helpful, especially if you're scraping the bottom of the barrel and you don't have any other reason that they're altered, then right. a possible overdose is something to consider as well. So regarding those things, 
so far walking the patient through that point in terms of the disposition that you may set for the patient. I know a lot of this can vary depending on what you find thus far. Are there any situations that you find it's an easy decision to make to have the patient be discharged from the hospital? Or is there kind of more of a, a trend that you'll find that patients are admitted with altered mental status? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, disposition is always a tough thing in the emergency department. Mm -hmm. In general, altered mental status tends to be more straightforward. Mm -hmm. um, most patients who are altered and not at their baseline are going to get admitted. Um, unless you find something that's quickly reversible, like okay. heroin overdose, and you give them Narcan, and then you watch them for a bit, and they're fine, and you send them home. But unless you find something that's quickly reversible, which is probably more unusual, then the patient's probably buying themselves an admission. And, and as you know, a lot of the times, we don't find out why a patient is altered in right. the emergency department. And ultimately, you know, no one ever finds out why they were altered and they return to baseline and all as well. I think the tough patients are the ones are kind of the um, geri psych patients, the geriatric psychiatry patients mm -hmm. that have baseline dementia. And are they altered? Are they not? Are they just slightly different from their baseline? Are they not? Um, you know, those are real, those can be really tough to sort out because mm -hmm. you don't want to necessarily admit them unnecessarily because those patients are at high risk for complications as an inpatient. Right. But sorting out what their true baseline is when their baseline is not normal can be tough. Right. I've, I've found that patient population to be very challenging also, at least from the what's the best thing for them. I agree if it's a very soft how different are they from their baseline versus the risk that you're expressing of the admission to the hospital for them for infection or, or any other, mm -hmm. or for falls or other things that might right. happen. I think that's where it can be very helpful having that corroborating history from family, social work, other things. It, it's a lot of legwork on our part and often can exactly. be frustrating with if it's a busy night. But all that being said, I think at least having that gathering of information can make that decision a little bit easier right. to know what's the best thing for them. And if you don't have family, you have to call the nursing home. If right. they're coming from a nursing home, that yeah. sort of thing. I mean, you really do have to do a lot of the investigative work if you don't have any information in front of you. Right. Well, Dr. McDonough, we thank you again for joining us for a discussion about altered mental status. Do you have any last pieces of advice for our listeners? Again, I would say, um, you know, really think about your differential diagnosis. I think we often talk about giving every patient, you know, a good minute of thought. Uh, these are sometimes the patients where you probably should give them a couple of minutes of thought because mm -hmm. if you don't think about it, you're not going to diagnose it. And the differential is so incredibly broad. And there are plenty of times where a resident says, oh, I think we should consider this and I haven't thought of it mm -hmm. um, and vice versa. So I think spending a little bit more time thinking about the patient, what could be missed, um, and doing a really good neurologic exam. Mm -hmm. um, because if you don't have a good reason for a patient's altered mental status, um, sometimes neuro is where we get boxed. Um, every, you know, emergency physicians will miss, um, will often miss a basal or thrombus mm, in the setting okay. of a patient who is altered and comatose and you don't have a good reason. Mm -hmm. um, that is a pretty, pretty significant life-threatening diagnosis to miss right. if you don't consider it. And oftentimes that can be picked up by doing a good neurologic exam. Right. When I found I mean, that's a great suggestion. I really think when it comes to altered mental status, it's important to check your ego at the door. I mean, these are great cases to bounce off other people to discuss as a group. And I think any suggestion is a good one. And as you mentioned, even if it's a medical student or someone who's lower in their level of training that has an idea, 
to at least consider and discuss, especially if you don't have a very likely reason for them to be presenting that sure. way. Sure. I mean, yeah. altered mental status is a bad thing because mm-hmm. it means that there's something systemic going on that is affecting cognition, affecting the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, very few things that do that are good. Um, right. And so, you know, you really have to give give a lot of attention to these patients. Right. And well, we can't do a brain transplant yet. So that's, we've only got one for now. <laughs> right. Well, with Dr. McDonough, thank you again. And everyone join us next time. We appreciate you listening.